So this morning we, we get to move on to uh, the third of the four boundless qualities, which uh, is um, described in the chant that we did first thing this morning as gladness. The Pali word is mudita. And it's a difficult word to translate in the sense that it has a lot of different emotional resonances. <clears throat> so I'm just going to throw out a few um, suggestions that give a flavour of what we're talking about. Um, sympathetic joy is one that I like because it's a joy that um, resonates with the joy, the gladness, or the good fortune of other people. Gentle joy. Generous joy. Abundant joy. Unrestricted joy. Compassionate joy. Rejoicing or gladness. So you can just see how those things land, maybe slightly differently, one from the other in the heart. <coughs> I was in the US a few months ago when the Winter Olympics were on, and I don't know whether any of you watched the Winter Olympics or bits of them, but there was a lot of excitement there about this, the ice dance team, the couple. Um, who were going for the gold medal in the ice dancing. And they're the kind of new Torval and Dean in the world. And uh, this couple who are in their mid-twenties uh, are both from the same neighbourhood in Detroit. And they've been dancing together since they were nine. They first got paired up. So they've been working really hard at, at, uh, at perfecting the art of ice dance for 16 years together. And... Uh, they were kind of favourites for the gold medal and they finally got the gold medal. And not only did they give this most beautiful performance, which just really flowed, and she, Meryl Davis, the, the, the woman, was interviewed after and she said it was like I was just seeing, seeing myself happening. It just felt so uh, smooth and natural to be doing what she was doing. But... The, the sense of joy that uh, I got from watching them and watching their excitement when they won and things, it's just sort of you, you're staring at the TV screen or a computer screen and it just brings this great beaming smile to the face. And I don't know whether some of you, you may, I don't know what things you choose to watch, but uh, noticing that sense of real just uplift and enthusiasm on somebody else's behalf that we don't really have any investment in or anything. Another experience I had at that time, I was on retreat just after that. Actually, I wasn't watching the Olympics while I was on retreat, but immediately afterwards, <laughs> uh, I was on retreat at, at Spirit Rock. And um, the retreat centre is built on a hill. And it's, uh, it, it's a place where people do longer retreats, or it was a longer retreat, and everyone starts to move around incredibly slowly and silently. And one day I was sitting on the bench outside the kitchen and I suddenly heard this somebody running down the hill. And I opened my eyes and I saw these bright blue crocs kind of fluttering past in front of me. 
and there was a five-year-old girl who was visiting with her. I think her parents was one of the staff or something. And she was just running. She was so excited to be able to get up all this speed and run down the hill. And uh, just again, it just, it just brought a smile. So um, sometimes you, when you're out and you see dogs bouncing around with their tail wagging, 19 to the dozen things, those kinds of things that just uh, bring a gladness that is not, it's sort of felt deep inside. So this, this kind of joy often begins with an experience of gratitude or it comes very close to the flavour of gratitude. Catherine was naming things this morning that uh, are around us now that if, actually if we start to turn our attention in a certain way, there's just so much to appreciate and be grateful for. It's a, the sun is out today, that's an amazing thing. <laughs> and uh, the nature around us is so beautiful, the bluebells, the wild garlic, and uh, the birds. So when we begin to turn our mind in that way, there's actually an abundant source of things about which to be glad. And this kind of gladness is an antidote to, to aversion and to apathy. And I read actually that it's an antidote to boredom, which was interesting. I've never thought about it that way. But often when we're bored, there's that just sense of not really being able to engage in uh, enthusiasm about anything. And it's also um, classically taught as an antidote to envy. So mudita is often described as joy in somebody else's good fortune rather than in your own. But I think for me that doesn't quite, quite do it. It's, become, it's been really, really important to me to uh, be able to acknowledge, allow, uh, and receive the goodness in my own life and enjoy my own good fortune when it's there. I think often we can... Um, things, things block us from really being able to do that, and there are all diff many different things that can arise in that way. But the sense that... Uh, somehow if I, if I allow myself to really fully receive and experience the goodness in my life, either that I don't deserve it or that it's going to be taken from me. And uh, with Mudita, what we're doing is we're opening ourselves to the goodness, but we're not holding on to it. We can let it flow through freely because once you start holding on to it, you actually sabotage it in a certain way. This is a much freer quality, again, this boundlessness of the heart. It's a, it's a free, uh, letting joy come and go freely. Just as we let the suffering come and go and touch us, then joy can come and go and touch us. Things that give rise to envy often are based in, a, in delusion or a misunderstanding of the nature of things. So the sense that there's not enough goodness to go around in the world. That if that person over there enjoys their happiness, it somehow takes away from me and mine. 
and when we're brought up brought up in a very competitive society, um, that can that can really get reinforced. Um, but actually, if we can celebrate the other person's good fortune, we actually get to enjoy it too. So there's a, a kind of expanding of the field of good fortune that happens. We also fall into thinking that the status quo is kind of permanent. So if, if I'm unhappy and you're happy, that that's somehow going to be the way it is forever and ever, and our reactions get based on that. But actually, you know, if we, if we really stop and consider, nobody's happiness lasts forever. All this, and, and our own sadness doesn't last forever, or our own misfortune. Maybe circumstances don't change, but actually our lived experience of them is something that is much, much more malleable than that. So this altruistic joy or selfless joy, it's like I remind myself not to be selfish in relation to myself. If you can think about it like that. Like, can I be generous towards myself? And often that lack of, lack of generosity towards ourselves, again, comes from a sense of fear, a sense of fear of not enough or fear that this will be taken away. And of course, we don't know when things will be taken away. Everybody here enjoys a, a reasonable level of health, otherwise we wouldn't be here. We don't know when we're going to lose that. But, um, you know, if we if we don't if we don't allow ourselves to enjoy what's present because we're so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or next day or in five or ten years' time, then there's a a diminution of our experience. So um, I was looking at Jack Cornfield, and he was actually pointing out that it it takes courage to rejoice in our own good fortune and the fortune of others. So I like this again, I mentioned courage in the context of compassion, but coming back to this fearlessness. And then there's a very close link between uh, sympathetic joy and generosity. Generosity is what the Buddha described as the, the kind of foundational basis of any spiritual practice. And we might talk about that a bit later. And one form of generosity that uh, I think has is, is kind of come late to me, still developing, is, is the, the ability to um, really express appreciation when I feel it, to actually share appreciation with other people. It's like we're often shy about naming <clears throat> our gladness or our recognition of, of good things or good qualities or whatever but there's something really beautiful about appreciation and receiving appreciation when it's genuine and it's heartfelt and I think what that does is it just it again it generates more joy when I was a child and trying to think about the meaning of life I kind of came up with this formula that if my life increased the net amount of happiness in the world, then it would have been worth living. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
can think about that and how actually it's not a very difficult thing to do if we turn our minds to it. Our minds are often programmed to look for what's what's wrong, what's difficult, and this is this is a natural again a natural evolutionary trait that we look out for danger. <coughs> so sometimes taking this conscious conscious uh, effort or intention movement towards noticing the good rather than noticing what's wrong. So the far opposite, the polar opposite of this joy is. Uh, selfishness or envy, wanting to deny other people or even deny ourselves the happiness that's actually there. And what's called the near en- enemy of it is the, the, the quality that can get confused and um, kind of mixed up with the joy is sometimes known as exuberance or excessive merriment. <laughs> <laughs> Even nuns suffer from excessive merriment. <laughs> I was telling Catherine something about things I used to do as a nun. She said, are you allowed to do that? <laughs> they weren't very shocking. But, um, so I, I live in Oxford at the moment, and if any of you know Oxford, there's a, there's a tradition that goes back many centuries on May morning, on the 1st of May, that the choristers sing on the top of Magdalen College uh, chapel, the tower, which is as you drive into Oxford up the high street there's a bridge and Magdalen College is beside it and there's this beautiful tower and at 6am on May morning the choristers get up there and they sing and the high street is closed and most of the student population stays up all night until to see in the dawn and the, and the choristers on the first day of spring and of course everybody's been drinking all night and it's, it's really rowdy and there's a tendency for people to jump off the bridge into the river, which is not actually terribly safe. I don't think it's very deep, and uh, you know, and accidents happen and things. And it's it's that kind of uh, getting overexcited and losing perspective on on um, what what's safe, what's good, what's appropriate. That is kind of it's where that's where joy starts to uh, tip off tip off what's, what's wholesome. And I was thinking about that more specifically and that there's, there's a joy, and I think mudita is a joy that actually brings the mind to more peace, ultimately. There, it can be a really deep, intense joy, but the, the direction of movement of experience is toward peace. But when, it, when our joy is exuberance and, and uh, excitement it actually brings the mind into more agitation and ultimately into more discontent. So I think that's what's meant by the opposite. So I think um, gratitude, joy and things, they, they, are, they are qualities that snowball and they seem to form a virtuous circle as our, as our path develops or as the practice of them develops. I think I'm just going to end with um, sharing a, a story, which is it's a prose poem, um, which expresses many of these qualities about Mudita. 
So this is from Naomi Shihab Nye, who's a Palestinian-American poet, who's the one who wrote the poem on kindness that I quoted a bit from. A bit from. And this is, she calls this one, Gate A4. Wandering around the Albuquerque airport terminal, after learning my flight had been delayed four hours, I heard an announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of Gate A4 understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. <laughs> gate A4 was my own gate. I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian embroidered dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing loudly. Help, said the flight service person. Talk to her. What is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be late, and she did this. I stooped to put my arm around the woman and spoke to her haltingly. This is Palestinian. I don't, uh, Arabic, I don't speak Arabic. Shudoa, shubiduk habiti, and a bit more. The last minute, the minute she heard any words she knew, however poorly used, she stopped crying. She thought the flight had been cancelled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for major medical treatment the next day. I said, no, we're fine, you'll get there, just later. Who's picking you up? Let's call him. We called her son and I spoke with him in English. I told him I'd stay with his mother till we got on the plane and would ride next to her, southwest. She talked to him. Then we called her other sons just for the fun of it. Then we called my dad, <laughs> and he spoke for a while in Arabic, and found out, of course, they had ten shared friends. <laughs> then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? This all took up about two hours. She was laughing a lot by then, telling about her life, patting my knee, answering questions. She had pulled a sack of homemade mamul cookies, little powdered sugar crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts, out of her bag, and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveller from Argentina, the mum from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, all were covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There is no better cookie. And then the airline broke out free beverages from huge coolers and two little girls from our flight ran around serving us all apple juice and they were covered in powdered sugar too. And I noticed my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, had a potted plant poking out of her bag, some medicinal thing with green furry leaves. Such an old country tradition... Always carry a plant. <laughs> Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones and I thought, this is the world I want to live in. The shared world. Not a single person in that gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all those other women too. This can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost.
So just let that land and feel what it's like to imagine, imagine that scene. However that speaks to you. you notice there how swift that kind of turning point from compassion to something else from gladness like the whole the whole gamut of emotions that were going through people's hearts in that situation but just by being available and uh, open and creative with with what was there it's a, a really sticky situation was transformed into something that was a probably going to be a happy memory for several people for a long time. So these boundless qualities, these Brahma Viharas, are very intimately interrelated, these, these four chambers of the heart that beat together. Sometimes I think we, the joy is the, is the one that we, we really neglect. It's easier to take good fortune for granted. So let's um, have a have a maybe stand up and let's have a wriggle and then I'll give you a do a guided meditation. So just finding what your body needs in terms of the impact. Letting your breath be full and moving be free in the body. Noticing if there are any bits of the body that you left out of your awareness this morning and welcoming those in too. And then we can come back to sit.
So when we stop like this and, and come to sit, in a sense we are re-encountering ourselves moment by moment. And we can have the intention to encounter whatever we meet in this moment with friendliness. Letting the body rest on the earth. And receiving the air that nourishes the body. loving attention to whatever's present, whether that's a feeling of ease or whether there's feelings of tension, contraction. Rather, getting, rather than getting stuck in whatever's present. Getting stuck in a thought or an expectation about it, just letting it flow with your in-breath and your out-breath. choosing for this space of the space of this meditation to turn your attention to everything that's good or right as John Kabat-Zinn once said if you're sitting here breathing whatever the condition of your body there's actually more right with it than wrong with it
this breath that supports life. This pulsing heart this aspiration, this longing for truth. This valuing and honoring of your aspiration that's brought you here. These inner qualities are things that aren't dependent on the changing circumstances of our outer life. And when we really reflect on them and own them, then they're a cause for gladness, patience. Is a beautiful quality, which yields great benefit. That too is the cause for gladness. appreciation of the birds, the superabundance of nature, of this space that we can share together and everything that goes into sustaining it, making it possible. and your companions on the journey this weekend. So just feeling into your own heart and seeing what's present that you could feel some gratitude for. So it's not that you should be grateful. It's more noticing what's there that you are grateful for. Noticing spontaneous appreciation as it arises rather than missing it because we're lost in noticing what's wrong. Sometimes it can really help to introduce the hint of a smile to oneself See how the, just that gesture of the slightest, slightest smile actually disposes the mind in a certain way. 
and you can imagine a smile in the heart as well. If that works for you. And then you might find something in either in your present moment experience or something in recent memory that made you feel happy and glad. Maybe even something you've seen on television like somebody winning your favorite competition. Just a little moment of exchanging a smile with somebody. Or suddenly noticing the beauty of a tree outside in the garden. Something that lifted your spirits. And then imagining yourself back in that moment. And just feeling how it felt in the body, in the heart. And opening the heart towards it, allowing your heart to open and receive that feeling. In the same way as we turn our face towards the sun when the sun comes out. Imagining yourself happy and glad. And you might wish for yourself, may my good fortune increase and never leave me. May I enjoy my good fortune. I'm glad.
And then into this heart space, maybe invite somebody else who you know, who is happy about something in this moment. They don't have to be a permanently happy person because we can struggle to find a permanently happy person, but imagining somebody you know in a moment of gladness about their own good fortune and holding them too in that space. Somebody about whose good fortune you also feel gladness. And extending to them the wish in your heart, may your happiness and good fortune continue. May you enjoy your happiness and good fortune. I'm happy that you're happy. And you might find that if you feel some sense of gladness in the body, how this is, how this actually has a life of its own to some extent, independent of the thought or the image. really becoming familiar with and inhabiting that feeling, that orientation towards experience. Allowing it, allowing yourself to receive it.
it's a great resource and it's free. or two we'll continue with uh, some time for walking practice and my suggestion for the walking is that you uh, walk outside if, if you want to in the garden and perhaps wander around in a unless if you if walking uh, walking to and fro on one path is working well for you then by all means feel welcome to continue with that but if you want to do something different then just walking around <coughs> in what Ajahn Suchito one of my teachers one of our teachers calls aimless wandering where you have no particular goal or direction except to, your goal is always this moment this step and then when uh, from time to time when somebody else crosses your path or your line of vision, you might um, offer them in your heart this wish using the phrase or just the intention or if you find a phrase that works for you, may whatever good fortune you have increase and never leave you. May your happiness increase and never leave you. And you could also take a moment to actually think of something specific that you could imagine is a, is a cause for that person's happiness. To really play with that perception in the mind's eye. It's often easier to look at other people and think, oh, they must be, have so many things to be happy about, but, but I don't. This is the comparing mind. But you can kind of put that function to a little bit of useful use in this context. Don't get into a big self-judgment and comparing thing, but just to notice something, even appreciate one another's showing up on the retreat and the practice and the effort that you're putting into this. And you could do that too with um, any birds or uh, creatures that cross your way, or even the trees. So. And obviously, if you do that with every single thing that comes across the line of your perception, it's going to get very, very busy in there. So be your own, own judge of, you know, how you might want to just take a few moments and just breathe and then play with it again. And then um, Catherine and I will see the first couple of, of groups. 
Um, we, we've made one or two, sorry, last-minute changes to uh, the groups. So if you... Probably it's good to... Actually, I can't remember if there's any changes for these ones Just this morning. The only change for this one is we're meeting Group A and B, and Kim, is Kim here? Yeah, I, did you get my note? I just switched you to C. There's a numbers and time thing we just shuffled around. That's the only change. Now. So that's the only change immediately. So if you're in Group A or B, um, maybe when we leave the room in a minute, if Group A or B could be allowed to go first so that we can um, start promptly with that, those group meetings. Um, and uh, then there'll be a bell at the end of the walking meditation. At that point, when you hear the bell, you could also pause and bring this sense of um, wishing, appreciation of happiness, gladness, and wishing it continue to bring, bring that back to yourself. And then you can come back and uh, continue this practice in the same way. So uh, Catherine and I might be a bit late, so there may not be any guidance at the beginning, but if you continue with this practice that we've just been doing. Um, and uh, people who are in the groups, we can, we can come in a little later. So those of you who are already here, if you hear a bunch of people coming in when you're already deep in concentration, you can practice mudita for us to um, be glad that we are able to come and join your meditation. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to add anything? Okay. Um, I want